Welcome to Coach My Wellness, a weekly show dedicated to bringing you information about healthy habits and behaviors just for the health of it. Here's your hosts, Joanne and Tammy. Welcome to Coach My Wellness, just for the health of it. I'm Joanne Orshan, here today with Tammy St. Clair, and we are going to continue with our series on motivation, how to get your groove back, and I had an interesting situation, Tammy, that happened today. Today, I decided uh, that I was going to go for a walk outside, nothing Mm -hmm. more than that. And I've been trying to reach one of my goals of doing between seven and 10,000 steps a day. And I went to a park not far from my house. And I noticed the first time as I was walking through this park that they had this hiking trail off to one side. And I was by myself, but I did feel that I was in a safe environment Mm -hmm. and I could go ahead and I could do this. And I kind of took a deep breath. And number one, I started feeling hmm, this fear that I haven't really had any association with in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And I went down this trail. And as I'm going in about 10 minutes in, I realized I had no idea where I was, <laughs> how I would get back. Uh-huh. I had no markings. And even though I did have my cell phone where I could have gone on and maybe tried to figure out where I was. Mm -hmm. I was just really surprised that I didn't see any markings on the trail giving a direction for where to go. And I was walking and just thinking to myself and saying, oh my gosh, you know, going back to when I was maybe in my 20s or, you know, in those youthful years, (laughs) I never even would have had any thoughts about taking on a venture like this. And I was just laughing to myself and I was remembering how it felt way back then when (laughs) it was one of those great days when I was just bring it on. I'm just going to be reckless and I'm just going to do everything. And I didn't have all of life's experiences behind me to give me pause to have this level of caution and fear. And I really kind of was thinking about that and how it relates so much to motivation and being hesitant to do something new. And how can we overcome that? And then there was this other part of me that was like, "Ah, I'm not so sure. I just don't really want to. And I started making all of these excuses and I felt a bit sluggish and I just couldn't wait to get out of there. It was really a crazy experience for me. And I thought back to those younger years as I walked around and I saw it happened to be that there were a lot of people out on the trails and out in the park today because it was a holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, Columbus Day, it happens to be today. So there was a lot of activity go around. And I'm looking at kids running across the field and a bunch of teenagers carrying on. And I'm saying, gosh, you know, I need to maybe get some of this juice back in my life to find some more of the fun. And I was looking at these young kids and thinking about, wow, when I was that age, the world was just my oyster. And I just had so much energy and no responsibility where I could just run out on a field. It was just like that. My mojo cup was just flowing over, over the top. Mm -hmm. And then I took a look at where am I now? 
well, I've got some physical challenges right now. I just had a surgical procedure. I'm trying to get out and move. Just like all of this stuff that just seemed like so much of an effort and so much to have to negotiate in my life. Mm -hmm. It dawned on me that I was feeling a little bit down in the dregs about that and not really feeling so much of that old mojo that I used to have. That would have been that internal motivation to just get up and get out there and not care about a thing in the world. It was just an interesting. Right. That excitement, that excitement for the day and what the day will bring. As you were talking, I was thinking, hmm, there's that old thing about the innocence of youth. And then I was thinking, well, is it innocence or ignorance, you know, (laughs) because you just don't know. And thinking about that, part of what we can work on is our stress levels. You know, we talk about stress and everybody goes, oh, again, this, I'm already working on my stress, but our mojo, that's one of the biggest thieves of our mojo because we have so many things clawing at our attention. It's interesting. I looked up in the dictionary where the word mojo really comes from. I just find it an interesting word and it derives from an African language and it relates to magic and spells to generate luck and power. And Mm -hmm. in today's language, what's interesting is it still refers to a source of energy, vigor, potency, and power. So if you're someone who's feeling depleted or overwhelmed or stressed out, as so many people are these days, if you're These words resonate with you, being frumpy, being tired, being bored, lethargic. Maybe that's a way to say, aha, maybe I have lost that mojo a little bit. And once you lose it, it can be hard to find the motivation to reclaim it. But you can't remain in that mojo-less place for too long or your lost mojo really might mushroom into something that is quite a bit worse and a very challenging state of mind. Right. And, you know, sometimes just making small changes can release that magic back into your life. And you can begin to feel more energy and enthusiasm again, because we really live in a world with a lot of beautiful things to offer, even in the midst of all the craziness. Even in the midst of everything that goes on in the world, in politics, in life, and all of that, even in your crazy life right now, with you know everything that's happening, there are still beautiful things that are can get your mojo back. Because I know you have a wedding coming up, you know, right. and that's a beautiful thing to get excited and look forward to. Well, you just said it. It's having things that we can look at. And one of my favorite words, and without realizing it, you you just brought something up for me. And the word that I come to a lot is anticipation. Mm. Mm -hmm. And when we are anticipating an event, whether it's a positive event, which could be a wedding, a party, 
something, a vacation, you know, that's all very exciting. And yet also there's anticipation where maybe you're someone who's in grief and you have a funeral coming up or you are getting divorced and you have this court date coming up. I mean, those are very real things and how we interpret internally the response to what we're anticipating, which is coming our way. Right. So that anticipation anxiety is a very real thing. You know, we have anticipatory excitement and anticipation anxiety and learning to utilize both of those to our benefit is always a good thing. Think about when you were a kid and Christmas and Hanukkah was coming up. Oh my goodness. That's all you can think about. That's all you can think about for most kids is, oh, am I being good? Is Santa going to come bring me some presents, things like that? And, you know, it's kind of that excitement for the things to come, whether it's little items or just the situations, like you said. And sometimes, you know, we're anticipating negative things that are simply in our own imagination. You know, like when you were out on your walk and you had to take that pause because I'm sure that part of that pause of, I don't know where I'm at and there's nothing around is also like all of the thoughts about there could be, you know, a killer out in the woods gonna kidnap me or somebody's gonna walk by and I'm gonna disappear and somebody's gonna walk by in a week and just find my bones underneath the, you know, the weeds. And and there's an there's an element of that where we think, oh, that's so outrageous. And yet it happens. But we don't live our life based on that fear. We anticipate, we change that negative anticipation into a positive one. Oh, if I go out here, I'm, I can find it. I can figure out where I'm at. I'll get my 10,000 steps in. It's all going to be good. I'm going to enjoy this beautiful day. Yeah. Uh, there was definitely some stress associated with it. And of course, here I am by myself walking in the woods and Mm -hmm. I hear rustling off to my (laughs) right. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, what is lurking out there? And I'm saying, well, it can't just be a squirrel. It was too big of a noise. And I'm looking around saying, okay, what would I do in a situation like this? Is there a tree I could climb? <laughs> it's really very fun. I was honestly, I'm talking about this because I was laughing at myself at how silly it was because I was in a totally safe environment. I I truly was, but all this other stuff just kept coming up, like caution, fear, Mm -hmm. stress. And I thought it would be a nice thing to talk about today. I knew that we were going to be recording today because I want to be able to get out there and do some things and find new ways to enhance my life. And what that would mean is to enjoy where you are, where you're at, and have a good way and a game plan of figuring that out, knowing that sometimes spontaneity can be a great thing, but Mm -hmm. spontaneity and putting yourself in an unfamiliar situation can also cause a lot of anxiety. 
So addressing the stress over it, I, I sat down on a log and I was really thinking this through. And I was like, hmm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. I'm feeling a little stressed light right, right now. <laughs> How do I lighten this load and address the source of the stress before I take off and I move further? Mm-hmm. Well, whether it's work, a personal conflict, too many things on your to-do list, too many demands on your time, you know, between your business, our podcast, your life, all of that, you might need a friend to help figure out and pinpoint where is that and what action can I take to change the source? Maybe you need to decide, you know what? The bathrooms can get cleaned by someone else this week and you hire a housekeeper or you decide, hmm, I don't really have money for that, but maybe there's someone else whom you can swap different tasks with, someone who likes to clean while you're out running around and you can stop and pick up the dry cleaning for them because you're picking up your own dry cleaning. You know, so there is always things that can be done, but it just takes a little bit of brainstorming and thinking outside of the box and kind of admitting that, wow, I'm not superwoman and I really do have limitations. As much as we all, hey, want to be superwoman, believe me, I don't want someone telling me what I can and can't do, but Sometimes we just have to be realistic and our expectations need to come back into align with what we're actually able to do in any given time. Yeah. So I find though, that when I have those expectations of myself, it's usually something in the sense, and many of you can relate to this. I have to get this done. I have, I'm busy. I have this commitment. I have that commitment. I have this appointment. I have to do this. And all of a sudden it's just like, I'm not having any fun. Why am Mm -hmm. I not scheduling any fun in my life? And then when you do something fun and you make that happen, it's a really great way to reinvigorate. And, you know, look, fun is really way underrated. And it is an essential element of someone to have that strong mojo. So think about this for all you listeners out there, maybe take a pause right now from our podcast, go get a pen, go grab some paper and just think about some times in your life when you really had fun and write them down. Mm -hmm. And I think fun is so underrated because we have grown up in a generation where it's all about work. You have to work. You have to And fun is for people who have no responsibility or shirk their responsibility or don't give enough attention to their responsibilities. And fun is the extra. And we really have to change and shift our attitude and our uh, concept of fun that having fun is really a way to keep ourselves healthy because we need that integrated ability to laugh and just release the stress, right? So we can release stress while we're having fun and come back and then it reignites the mojo. And now we might 
have some brilliant idea that came to us while we were not actively thinking about it. We were not breaking our brains over, oh, I've got to figure this out. And now your brain has some time to just mull and do what it does in the background. And then you might also, in remembering what fun is, remembering what physical activities you thought were fun that you liked to do. I like to bike ride. I haven't been able to for a little while, but I find bike riding fun. And I hate the stationary bike. I want to be out on the path, out on the road or the sidewalk, wherever, just enjoying, like on the bike path. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about this because one of the large chunks of conversation that I have with clients has to deal with getting movement into their daily lives. And Mm -hmm. when we first start talking about that, there are some of my clients who do go to a gym regularly or have something that they love to do, but I wouldn't say that that is really the norm. And that many people look at physical activity as a drudgery, something that is really not fun to do that they have to do, but they really don't want to do. And what you just said hits home because there are so many other things that we can do in a physical sense that are fun. And you mentioned taking a bike ride or even playing tennis or basketball or going out and dancing with a group of your friends. My Mm -hmm. husband and I were in Manhattan earlier this week. It was really interesting. And we went to a Broadway show and we came out and there was this long line that we were waiting for our car at this parking garage that we were at. And I heard this commotion. I wasn't really quite sure what it was. And I turned around and across the street, there were about... I'd say about 12 teenagers. And Mm -hmm. what they were doing is they were having someone record them. And the 12 of them were standing on the sidewalk, singing a song, doing some kind of pre-organized dance moves that they had come up with. And their friend Mm -hmm. was videotaping them and they were howling and laughing and singing and having so much fun. And I said, oh my gosh, I remember when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. And my girlfriends and I would come into Manhattan and we would like do the same kind of silliness. And it was just refreshing. We weren't harming anyone. Maybe we were a little loud, but honestly, in the middle of Times Square, you can't be too loud. (laughs) Um, But it was just really nice watching them not have a care in the world. And Mm -hmm. as a group of people together, just going out and having a blast. And I was like, gosh, I really miss that. Right. You know, there's, there's a saying about, we don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. Oh, I like that. And so, you know, coming up with the things that we can put our hearts into and truly enjoy. Like if someone said to me, oh, let's go for a jog as a way to have fun. I'd be like, are you crazy? They're like, I don't jog. My seventh grade gym teacher took care of that. My eighth grade gym teacher, uh uh-uh, I don't run. But you want to play dodgeball? Okay. You want to play volleyball? Okay. You want to ride a bike? Okay. You want to do karate? Sure. And just anything to get moving so you can enjoy it 
take some friends along and make it a social thing as well if you want to. It doesn't have to be, but getting other people involved also allows you to grow and expand your social circle, which also helps to get your mojo back because you start feeding on other people's energy. Well, I also find that one of the things that comes up a lot is if you walk around, we were walking around in the city and I'm telling you 8.5 out of 10 people or maybe 9.5 out of 10 people, as they're walking around the city, everybody is on their mobile device. Mm-hmm. Guilty, yeah. guilty. <laughs> you know, whether they're playing games or looking at emails or whatever, whatever it is that they're doing, uh, social media, it's just become so much of our lives. And I remember uh, I took a trip with my kids a couple of years back and on this island that we were at there was little to zero cell service and of course they were all very upset about that in the beginning because they couldn't be on their devices what was fascinating was two or three days into the trip all of a sudden they acknowledged how amazing they felt by not having to have their brains race around everything that they needed to do on social media it was almost you know, taking this vacation time Mm -hmm. from it. And when we're at home, it is so easy to just plop down in front of the TV or get absorbed in a computer game or Mm -hmm. doing anything like that, especially when you're feeling tired or low on that mojo piece. And once you start doing that, look, you and I both know you can sit down and start playing a game and, oh, how did an hour just go by or right. two or three? So one of the things that we've been experimenting with is for a couple of days to turn the TV and the computer off so that you're forced to do something else. And that could be having a conversation. It could be reading a book. It could Mm -hmm. be doing some journaling or writing some gratitude topics down of things that you'd like to discuss. Or how about doing an evaluation, which is what we've talked about, about the pros and the cons of certain things that are keeping you stuck in the behaviors where you are. Uh, It could even be decluttering your closet or your office, just organizing something. There is something very powerful when you have a clean space around you and you don't have that chaos. It really helps to get the juices flow to just feel better about an organized space. Mm -hmm. So there are so many things that you could do instead of just sitting around and zoning out. So I think about, I I have a friend who gets crazy because I always have my phone in my hand and they're like, (laughs) put your phone down. So when I'm with them, I really make an effort to not be on my phone, to really pay attention to them. And sometimes I think they're just looking for the attention and don't want you to share your attention with anything or anyone else. But other times it's like, no, put your phone down. Like, come on. So I know There's one weekend out of the year where 
a couple of friends and I, we go to the mountains and they're like, if you get cell service, you're lucky. And so when you do get it, you're, you're like, okay, now, you know, most of the time, oh, you know what? I don't have to think about that because no one's going to be calling me. No one's going to be texting. No one's going to be, I can't read any emails where I'm at. So it's like, and I know for myself, I do take that deep breath of like, I can just disengage from the electronics. And I think part of your point on clearing the clutter and organizing is well taken as two, because we know that studies have shown that environment definitely contributes to mental health. And people who are hoarders are typically often also very disorganized in their thoughts, in their behaviors, and how they do things and how they get things done. So organizing things, cleaning things up, throwing things away is just a way to give your brain some space to maneuver. Just like your your feet are in a cluttered environment, so does your brain. And it's sometimes you just need to unclutter things. And then getting a little more personal, go pamper yourself. No one's body is perfect. No one's life is perfect. But go get a haircut. Put on some makeup. Dress up in some clothes you haven't worn in a while because those are your good clothes that you go to the theater in or those are your good clothes that you go to a party in and put them on and go out. Go do something. Because sometimes... If we're feeling bad or feeling negative about our body, our personal image, that translates over into our mental health and how we're perceiving things and our perception of life. Yeah, I I think about there are times that when I'm just in my sweats and my hair is up and I don't have any makeup on. It just doesn't have the same thing. There's something different about getting dressed up to go out. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure is. that those those days that you're like that are also less productive because they're like a little more lazy, kind of, oh, more kumsi kumsa, as they say, fly by the seat of your pants those days, mm-hmm. as opposed to the days that you're up and dressed. Yeah, I mean, I think back to the time that we've just all lived through in the pandemic and how so much has shifted as far as what people choose to wear. People going Mm -hmm. into an office aren't getting dressed up in suits and ties anymore, pretty much. It's just as well. (laughs) Someone said to me the other day, they walked into a company and someone was wearing a t-shirt and jeans, so they knew it was a startup company. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really funny. Um, You know, it's that youthful mentality of how the world has shifted. Um, Mm -hmm. For almost two years when I was at home and I wasn't out in the world, all I was wearing was sweatpants and didn't do anything with my hair and threw it up in a ponytail and Mm -hmm. didn't wear any makeup at all. 
And all of that's fine, except I know that once I started to get back into the habit of sprucing myself up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It, I like that sprucing myself yeah, up. Yeah, I spruced myself up. And I have to say that every time I did, it just was a reflection of a greater sense of self-confidence. We're going to be coming back in a short while with more tips on how to get your mojo back. I love this topic of conversation. I, you know, holidays are coming up. There's a lot of people who are still lonely, depressed out there, not really sure how to re-engage back into the socialization as we are coming out of the pandemic. So how do we do that? And what are some other tips that we can give to our listeners to help with the thought process of, hmm, maybe that's why I've been a little bit down, or I'm not sure that I've not been up and myself or as to what I was. And I need to re-engage and find my place. And how can I have more fun in my life? What can Mm -hmm. I do? So I think that it's a great topic of conversation and we're going to be coming back for part two of this conversation in a few moments. So I'm Joanne here with Tammy, Coach My Wellness on 360 Talk Radio for Women. See you in a few. Welcome to Coach My Wellness, a weekly show dedicated to bringing you information about healthy habits and behaviors just for the health of it. Here's your hosts, Joanne and Tammy. Welcome back. This is Coach My Wellness with Joanne and Tammy just for the health of it. So we've been talking about getting your mojo back and motivation and those kinds of things. And we're going to pick up where we left off earlier. So Joanne, when your mojo is going down, I find it helpful to hang out with people that their mojo cup is already overflowing. So I can get some of that. Do you do that too? And and how do you think this fits in? Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I've had this conversation several times. It reminds me of when someone calls you and you look at that caller ID on your cell phone and there's this thought that happens as to, hmm, I don't really want to take this call or right. yes, I'm going to. And I have a couple of people that call me and sometimes, and I call them the toxic people in my life or the Mm -hmm. Debbie Downers of your life where, you know, you just know that it's going to be a one-sided, oh, woe me conversation. And there are times where I just don't want to do that. And then I have a couple of people that when they call me, I just know we're going to laugh. It's going to be an up conversation. You're one of those people, by the way. I was going to say, I'm hoping that I'm one of those people. You're definitely (laughs) one of those people. If I I need a good pick me up, I just call Tammy. Uh, (laughs) And it really does make a difference in how you get to feel because when you have that positive infectious energy Mm -hmm. going back and forth between my, you know, you and someone else, Mm -hmm. it just helps to keep things light, easy, supportive, positive. And Mm -hmm. 
that's all that we really need sometimes is just that kind word on our plate. On our, right. And I like that you use the word toxic people. That, that's how you describe them because we all have some of those people in our life and it might be the time to put them on hold or do a little, if you can move away from them a little bit to do that. If you can't because they're family, then maybe you set some parameters yourself around how often you'll talk to them or how long that phone call will be, or how are you going to redirect the conversation once they start going off and complaining about everybody and their brother. I'm sure you know. that most of our listeners can relate to the word boundaries and it's <laughs> setting your boundaries on what you are willing or not willing to accept to come into your environment. It's a really important part of health and wellness. It really is. And I, you know, in coaching and in therapy, what I've learned is that people's boundaries are so porous that they feel bad for enforcing their boundaries. They don't have boundaries. They feel like they have to indulge whomever. And that, that's really something that we work on a lot because when you don't have boundaries, you're not really caring for yourself. You're allowing yourself to be tossed about by every wind and wave that comes along. And boundaries help to create a, you can be free within them, kind of like when you have horses in a meadow, but that meadow might be 10 acres, but there's a fence around it. So that when they go play and they get to that fence, they're like, oh, okay, nope, not going, go, not going beyond that. And sometimes that is the same with people in our lives is like, oh, no not going there with this person because I know that that's going to turn into some other hour-long rant about this or that. And so it's learning how to establish your boundaries, tell those that you love or that you're involved with what those boundaries are, and then teach them how to respect those boundaries. But that means first, you have to respect those boundaries. Well, first, you have to know what those boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And it's having an awareness to surround that. Uh, there's one person I'm thinking about as you're talking very specifically in my life who happens to be a family member. And every time we have a conversation, it is in that negative headspace. It is mm -hmm. something physically wrong, some mental challenge that they're having, some issue with something. I, there's never really a conversation where when you say, hi, how are you? That it's like having a good day. What's going on for you? Right. And that never happens. And after being angry about that in truth for quite a while, I don't expect that from that phone call anymore mm -hmm. because I know what is coming my way. Yet I can set my own boundary for number one, the obligation that I have to make the phone call and then, of course, how long do I choose to stay on the phone? And also being aware that the conversation is going to be one-sided, not two-sided. Right, and right. how do I set that up? So, you know, I will maybe call once a week instead of every two days. Mm -hmm. I will 
limit myself to a couple of minutes. I anticipate that it's going to be a very one-sided conversation. And I always have some excuse as to why I have to get off right now. Mm -hmm. And that's really it. So I go into it. I've set myself up to go into a situation of just number one, not getting angry, not getting frustrated, not wishing that I could have a different scenario because you can't change people. Right. People are who people are. You know, it's like, you got to know your customers. You have to know who you're speaking with and speaking to. And when you go down this road of self-care in that path that you're taking, you have choices to make, but you need to know where you're going. Where is that path leading you? Unlike earlier today, when I went on a path and I didn't know where I was going to wind up. (laughs) That was so, so insane. Well, talking about your path today, that you were doing something adventurous, you know, you were out being adventurous and just exploring and doing something totally out of character. But oh, that was for sure. And it's funny, Tammy, because I happen to love, I watched the show Survivor. I got past the reality TV show of it and I find it quite fascinating and as I was walking through the woods, I'm saying to myself, hmm, so this is what it's like to be stranded <laughs> on an island by yourself. It was, okay, what resources can I pull from myself in order to feel safe and to feel uh-huh. comfortable and to be careful where I was walking and pay attention to the animal sounds that I was hearing and figuring out if there was a tree that I might be able to climb up and negotiate. It was just a very interesting part of Uh my day today. Right. You know, when we are kind of out of the habit of doing adventurous things and doing things that are out of our character, we are very uncomfortable because we're not used to how does this feel? I'm not used to this. This is not a comfortable space to be in because it's unfamiliar. And so the way you make adventure and having fun become familiar is by doing it, just doing it. Take some risks, tell someone you care about how you really feel. So maybe you've got that secret admirer that you've been pining over and it's like, oh, should I tell them how much I like them or, you know, that I want to take this friendship someplace else? Take the chance. Do something that you've always wanted to do. For me, that that's going to be hot air ballooning. I want to go on a hot air balloon. But the best ones are going to be, that's going to be a trip to New Mexico. And I'm not doing that yet. <laughs> so soon, but I've gone whitewater rafting. I've gone canoeing, just doing things that help you to think outside of your box and to get outside of your box. Well, having those ideas to allow yourself to dream big and to brainstorm about possibilities. Honestly, I think that's so much the key of just happiness is Mm -hmm. having a wish list of things that you want to do and figuring out how can I make this happen? It can be really exciting. Right. And one thing that happens when we lose our mojo is, and as a therapist, I see this a lot. We also mistreat our bodies so much because we start to self-soothe with the pizza, with 
candy, chocolate, ice cream, all of those things. And it's impossible to get your groove back when your body is sedated because it's loaded with sugar and you're feeling yucky. Sometimes I think there are so many preservatives in our food. How long are we going to be preserved once, once we pass on? Are we going to take an extra hundred years to, to become part of the dirt? I don't know, because there are so many preservatives in things. So treating your body with loving kindness, giving it that reverence that's in proportion to what it should be, not something where you're worshiping your body, but you're just treating it well, giving it the fruits and vegetables that it needs, giving it lean meats and less processed, high fat, bad for you foods. Our body needs some good, clean, organic fruits and veggies. And you never know, there are some that will also boost your mood while you're enjoying them. Yeah, that's funny. I was talking with uh, one of my clients this morning and she is recently widowed and just sold her home and is now trying to pack up her house in order to move. So obviously there's a lot of trauma challenges that are going to transpire for her as she's going through that process. Mm -hmm. She told me that she had called her parents to help her to support her over the weekend in Mm -hmm. doing some of this packing while she was going through everything. And I also want to note that we have been working together for quite a while. She's making some strong strides in her personal game plan of releasing some weight and incorporating physical fitness. And she's really looking for this healthier lifestyle in general. And what the conversation really was about was that it was time to get some food to eat. They were hungry. They had been working in the house all day. She was emotionally hijacked and they went to a diner and she goes to this particular diner because she happens to love the salads that they have. And there's this great piece of fish she usually gets that goes with her salad as her protein. And she said when she walked in, she just looked at the menu and decided she was going to get a cheeseburger and French fries. <laughs> and that she comfort does, eating. Exactly. She just, you know, that all kind of like went out the window <laughs> and she self-sabotaged herself, which was, as we talked about it in her own way, it was a way of just punishing herself. That's how she looked at it. Not my words, her words because she felt that she shouldn't be feeling what she's feeling. And of course, getting into the fact that she's put on a lot of weight since this loss and not really liking her body. And by eating the foods that she know would not be beneficial to her, just reinforced to her how crummy she really feels. Very interesting turn of thoughts, right? Yeah. You know, and that's often what happens. You know, we, we do that because our brain is programmed to be like Velcro with the negative thoughts and be like Teflon with positive thoughts. And we have to train our brain on how to not focus on the negative thoughts and then to purposely focus on the positive ones. You know, there's a, there's a book that I usually utilize with a lot of my clients called Buddha's brain. And in there, he talks about, the author talks about just that, 
we're programmed, our brain is programmed to pay attention to all the negative because that's how we've survived. That's how we've lived, right? Your neighbor, Joe, went out and got eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So now when you go out in the woods, you're listening for those sounds that are coming up on you, right? Is something following me? What's going on? Am I going to get eaten? And that's how our brain has helped to keep us alive for all these years. And so it takes real work because I'm sure once you figured out what was happening and you had, it was real work to keep your brain from wandering down that pathway of, oh, here's all the negative things that could happen and keep it on, oh, I have my phone with me. I'll find the local road. Something will come through. It's all going to be be good. So it's really, we have to take take the time to yeah. really this work. I love what you're saying. And especially when you're down and you're not feeling good. And sometimes we go after that comfort food or we make, you know, odd decisions that might not be the norm for what we do, or our brains come up with all of these negative thoughts and we're worrying and we're concerned and we're overthinking it all. You know, you have to really treat your unruly mind the way that you would perhaps a small child. You know, every mm-hmm. time your brain spirals, spirals off into that negative thinking, redirecting your memories to positive thoughts or positive thinking can make the situation more palatable. And the other part is also letting yourself off the hook. I mean, if you're really having a down day and you know that it's not what the norm, see, that's what the difference is. There's a difference if you're having a down day versus if you're having a down week, month, year. Right. Right. Exactly. So you have to, you have to know yourself, but just going back to my client for a quick moment, that one of the things we talked about was how she felt after she had what she had Mm -hmm. and what her decision was to go down that road and letting it be okay for her to not have to twist in her mind, the guilt that she felt. It was all about, okay, this is what you did. It comforted you for the moment for whatever that was that satisfied you. Now, how do we get back on track so that you can put healthier foods into your body so that you're thinking more clearly and not making those types of decisions that can really derail you and knock you off of your game plan. And of course, then once you're off your game plan, going down that spiral and that downward slope of, again, having poor feelings and your mojo is down in the dumps, how do you climb back out of that? And Tammy, I just want to ask you to talk a little bit about this because we we had a conversation, you and I, about this yesterday, about the spiral of change. Mm -hmm. So change is, it's a very interesting thing. And there are lots of theories about it. One that I happen to like the most is called the trans theoretical model. You don't have to know that, but it's about the stages of change and how change happens. And part of it, and I was just thinking when you were talking about, it's the difference between, between regression, which is like giving it all up, And just being off the path, the beaten path a little bit. So in change, there's different points along the way. And you can sort of see where you're at when you're thinking about, 
oh, I need to do this or I need to do that. The first one is everyone's telling me that I need to do this, but I don't have a problem. They're the ones with the problem. I don't like, they're the ones that need to stop telling me this. I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. There's no, nothing, not, nothing is wrong. And then there's the, hmm, you know, maybe there is a problem. Nah, there's no problem. I don't need to change anything. Well, maybe, maybe this would be easier if I lost that 50 pounds. Nah, it's okay. I'm doing good. Everybody in my family is bigger. I'm big boned, what, whatever it is. And then something happens that really kind of pushes us to the next piece in, hmm, well, there really is something wrong that I really need to do something about. And then we go to what can I do about this? What's available to be done? And then we start doing it. And here's the thing. People think that once they start doing whatever the change is, that that's it. The change has happened. Everything is good. This is how life is going to be. Except that when we're trying to make a change, we are bound and determined to fall off the wagon. How many times have you started a diet? I mean, not you, but in general, just started a diet and did great for the first three or four days. And then something happened and you fell off to the wayside. And like your client, starting that negative self-talk, all of those things, instead of focusing on what they have changed, what they have done that's been positive, they just focus on, oh, I screwed this up today. I can't believe it. You know, I tell my clients, they get to be they get to be the gardener of their own thought garden and they can mold that garden however they want it to look. It can be full of beautiful flowers, which are the positive thoughts and beliefs that positive behaviors that you're putting in there, or it can be full of weeds. And most of us live in a very weed-filled garden because making a very manicured one takes a lot of work. And so it's understanding that falling off the wagon is normal, but here's the thing, you can never forget what you've already learned. So if you fall off the wagon, it's really hard to go back and say, oh no, I don't have a problem. You all have a problem. It's really challenging to say, oh, well, I don't know what to do. Hmm. When we've been, we were able to do something already. Maybe we just have to do it differently or we have to think about how we're viewing it. But the spiral of change always goes up. We always are making progress. Even if we slide back down a little bit, you never go back to, I don't have a problem. Y'all have problems, that space of not even recognizing it, an issue. So, and if you have loved ones who've ever struggled with substance abuse, you know that that space with them because 
that's that space when you're seeing their life deteriorate and they're, they don't see it at all. And they're reacting to you as if you are overreacting. But once you know there's a problem, you can never go back and you can't unlearn what you've learned to get there. It's like when you learn how to ride a bike, you could not ride a bike for 20 years and your grandkids come over and you haven't been on a bike since you were in your 20s, but now your 10-year-old grandkid wants to go bike riding in the neighborhood and you get on and you might be wobbly at first, but you didn't forget how to ride a bike. Your brain picks it back up really quickly. And that's kind of like what happens when you're training your brain and you're trying to incorporate new behaviors and make those behaviors habits in, in changing old habits into new habits. And most of the people that come to me or come to you are really looking to improve areas in their life that they've been struggling with. I mean, right, we get them when they've already recognized that there's a problem that they exactly. need help with. We don't really have people that are like, my spouse is telling me I need to come here and do this or lose weight or find this or do that. We're, we're at a good spot in people's lives where they're coming saying, hey, I recognize there's something going on here and I need help. And But a lot of that is because of the fact that we can't tell anyone what to do. You know, when you tell someone what to do right away, they don't want to. I mean, most people don't like to be told what to do. And getting people to a state of them to identify what it is for themselves of what their strengths and values are mm-hmm. and how they want to change things within their lives to make it better, but they're not clear on the best path to take. That's where health coaching can really come in, which is different than therapy because Mm -hmm. I'm not the expert in telling them what to do. It's I'm walking with them side by side. It would be like someone walking with me down that path in the park today while I was mentoring on going on this journey. They weren't telling me to do it. I made the decision to do it. I had someone by my side who could walk alongside with me as I was choosing to make the choices that that we did. Mm -hmm. So it's... And helping to guide you along the way, right? They've already been down this path. They know what the path holds. So... They're not telling you what to do, but they're able to guide you as you come upon different obstacles, as you come upon, you know, different forks in the road to think. I'm not asking them to tell me what to do. What I'm asking is for them to share their experience. Exactly. Exactly. Because then it stays within our own autonomous power. You know, we have to have autonomy in order to make changes that are truly going to stick and be ours. And so many times, you know, when you said, we don't like someone telling us what to do, I immediately am like, no, don't tell me what to do. No, don't tell me what to do. Just like the four-year-old. No, don't tell me what to do. And it's funny when I'm talking to people about how their brain often will behave like the four-year-old and throwing a temper tantrum. So when when you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to pick out new snacks that are healthy and good for you and getting yourself to eat real food instead of 
crappy sugar laden food coming out of a box and they start pushing back. But I don't like that. But I don't like that. But I don't like that. I know that their their four-year-old on the inside is what's acting up right then. And like, okay, well, how do you propose to get the outcome that you want if you're unwilling to try new things, to do new things, to have to have that four-year-old challenged? You know, but Tammy, also, there's one other piece that I would be remiss if I didn't mention that sometimes we might want to get our groove back. And sometimes, though, we have other things that are going on. And so if you're someone who, as you said before, if you're feeling depressed and that depression is lingering, if you find that you are losing weight because under stress you can't eat and things are changing. That's the time where you need to seek out the correct health professional in order Mm -hmm. to identify if there is some medical challenge that perhaps you might be having or some therapeutic counseling to really dig into helping you to um, understand what the issues are. Mm -hmm. And again, that's the difference between someone who's really in that, you know, I can't do it. I won't do it. I don't know how to do it. Don't tell me what to do phase versus someone who's coming to us and, Hey, I I put weight on during the pandemic. I want to take it off. I'm not sure how to do it. And I'm ready to do what it's going to take in order to have a healthier, more productive life. That gives us something to be able to work with, to help unravel for someone what is going on for them and have them make the appropriate decisions and action steps that will be viable to work for them in order to reach the goals that they set out for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, that's where a coach can come in handy and be helpful in helping you to assess, is this something that's bigger than just coming out of the pandemic and not knowing how to fit back in to your workplace or society, things like that, but also be able to help get you to your local doctor or your local therapist to see, to make sure that, you know, something simple like your iron in your blood is going low. So it's causing you to feel a certain way, or maybe you're not sleeping. And so if you could just get some sleep, a lot of your issues would clear up. So it's important that you take the time to really reach out and seek the help that you may need. And Look, stay tuned for us. We are all about positivity and energy and improving our lives and living more fruitful days as we sail through this journey called life. So thank you for joining us today. We have a lot more to talk about on this subject. You can join us every Thursday evening on our Instagram for our Instagram live at coachmywellness underscore CMW. Also, please make sure to go to our website at coachmywellness.com. Just sign up and subscribe to our newsletter, which we'll send out on a monthly basis, which will give you lots of great information to help you in your journey of health and wellness. And we thank Thank you so much for tuning in today and we look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Joanna Orsham with Tammy St. Clair and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Coach My Wellness. 
For more information about healthy habits and behaviors, visit our website at coachmywellness.com and follow us on Instagram at coachmywellness underscore CMW for weekly live streams Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. We hope to see you there.